in association with the Agri Health Network, it's time for That Farm Life podcast, Planting Hope, Harvesting Strength. On That Farm Life, we talk about that life that is that of a farmer and their family. It's about the day-to-day grind, the good times, the tough times, and everything in between, because farming is more than a job, it's a way of life. And we're here to offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. Now, here's your host, a farmer, a former agri-business owner, and also the pastor of a Southern Baptist church in Arkansas, Archie Mason. Hey guys, I'm your host, Archie Mason, and welcome to another episode of That Farm Life Podcast. We're a brand new podcast. We've only got a few episodes under our belt, so thank you for subscribing and listening. Now, let me give a shout out to the folks from uh, a lot of different states, Arkansas, Texas, Ohio, Georgia, Missouri, California, Washington State, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, Louisiana, Tennessee, Colorado, Minnesota, Virginia, New York. Illinois, Kentucky, and Alabama. A lot of folks from different states have joined our previous podcast, so thank you for doing that. As always, this podcast is a resource of the AgriHealth Network, so go to agrihealth.net for all the resources that deal with recognizing stress and some practical tips of how to deal with it. So we made a decision to launch our first few podcasts interviewing husbands and wives in farming operations And today we have some special guests, Jennifer and Greg James. Now they farm together. They farm rice, soybeans, and corn in Jackson County. So good morning and welcome, Greg and Jennifer. Thank you guys for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to be here. We're so glad you're with us. I know this is, uh, we're getting into the farming season. We have a lot of airplanes flying in Arkansas. So thank you for taking the time to be here. Jennifer, you're a fourth generation farmer. Did you always know that you were going to work in agriculture? I always knew there was no way I was coming back to rural Arkansas. At least that's what I thought. <laughs> so I left here, graduated high school, and I went, did go to the University of Arkansas up in Fayetteville, which is about four hours away, um, up in the beautiful Ozark Mountains. Looks totally different than the Delta side on, of Arkansas, but um, I was going to be an accountant, maybe go to law school you know, get out, be in the city for sure. So, uh, but when I got up there, there was just something about home and family farming and and being back here that just pulled at my heartstrings. And so I changed my major to ag business and graduated and the rest is history, I guess. Wow. That is an amazing story. You know, we always say too in the farming community, you really can't get that dirt out of your system and the smell of that. So uh, what's good that you changed your mind and did that. Hey, let me ask a question. How did you and Greg, how did y'all meet? How did that take place? Well, we, we went to high school together, went to junior high and high school together. He was a couple of years ahead of me in school and we laughed. We, we went on a couple of double dates with other dates. You know, we never dated. We were just friends, you know. <laughs> um, so were y'all looking at each other when you're on those double dates with other folks? I mean, is anything kind of stirring there in the middle of that? <laughs> well, I guess we were just we friends. Were late, we yeah, we were late bloomers. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but but uh, then later on, I was in college. He had just graduated college, and we were home for Christmas break. And a mutual friend kind of 
played matchmaker a little bit and we've started dating some and we've been dating ever since. Wow. So how long have y'all been married? Since March of 95, March 4th, 95. Wow. 26 years. 26 years. Have y'all lived out on the farm most of that time? Yep. The whole time. The whole time. Yeah. We actually live in my great grandparents' home and uh, we've been working on it for 26 years. <laughs> That's kind of today. That's yeah, good, it? Today. yeah, and again today working on it. Man, what a great, what a great story in that. Hey, a little bit too, uh, Greg and Jennifer, either one of y'all, how you want to answer this, but you know, four generations of farming. What has helped you stay strong through all these generations? You can probably speak to that as much as anything. Just uh, I think probably for the Hare family, which was Jennifer's, you know, maiden name. Um, just brothers and sisters or, you know, family members that were able to work together, that were able to, you know, overcome any adversity and, and just focusing on the goal of, you know, the, this farm is, you know, our family farm and we're going to keep it intact, which is, I mean, would yeah. be a pretty good yeah. way. It wasn't always easy for them. Um, and I guess what was it, your great, great grandfather homesteaded, you know, this where we're actually sitting today in the late 1800s. So, you know, it's been around a while. And, and Yeah, we've been fortunate to be recognized as an Arkansas Century Farm. And so it's been in my family for over 100 years, documented for over 100 years. But, you know, more recently, I guess, since my dad, my dad, this is probably about his 53rd, 54th crop we're about to put in. And, and he's always in look to add value to any crops that he's produced you know we produce commodities obviously but if you can grow some commodities for a premium and that just adds value to operation and add trucking add grain bins so he's kind of always been pretty diverse and has taught us to try and do the same thing so we continue to grow specialty and non-gmo soybeans and non-gmo corn for the poultry market and specialty rices and things like that. Anyway, we can add value to our crops. Yeah, so really your generations, y'all have persevered and kind of like most business operations, you always have to be looking for, you got to look for a way to make a profit, look for uh, a commodity that will work, you know, in your soils and in your area that there's a demand for. So you guys, I would say, are uh, top notch in in those efforts and what you're doing. Hey, another thing too, Greg, you guys have got a lot of conservation efforts. A lot of folks who are listening to us may not necessarily be from from farm families, maybe, and they kind of wonder, well, what's what's it like in Arkansas? What kind of conservation efforts do you guys do on your farm? You know, as being a steward, can you tell us about that? So we all we do CSP, which is a conservation stewardship program, and those are enhancement practices that. You, know, you do on a yearly basis. We've got CRP on the farm. We've got riparian buffer. We manage for a multitude of species, whether it's, you know, wheat and, and peas for deer or, you know, post-harvest flooding for ducks and geese. And, and truthfully, we have been flooding fields since late October, and we're draining the last ones right now. We finally finished the snow goose season this past weekend, and we think they're all through, and so now it's time to drain. But just we kind of backed into conservation and and selfishly so I, I was always a hunter i guess of the bunch not that these guys didn't hunt but i was a little more rabid about it 
And as we started to, to see success in the things we were doing in our endeavors, it just, it, we, we would go one step farther. We'd, we'd do a little bit more. And then all of a sudden we look up and, and conservation, you know, is, is at the forefront of everything that's talked about in agriculture and sustainability and, and all these catchphrases that we hear. And well, we sat right on this ridge, literally, that is probably one of the heaviest traveled corridors in the Mississippi Flyway. And, you know, location, location, location. And, and we're just very fortunate to be able to manage that resource and, and get a lot out of it. And so in partnerships with, with Delta Waterfowl, DU, NRCS, all these other groups, we've not only been able to, to bestow some knowledge on them, but we're constantly learning, um, looking at different practices, different, just diversity, I would say, you know, don't do everything the same way. And so these lessons, I guess we've learned over the last 20, 25 years just have really benefited the farm. I mean, there are days that we'll go out and drive around and when all the snow was on, we were seeing for this area, a lot of deer and the geese and ducks just by the tens of thousands. And we pumped water to keep them here. Um, the neighbors are you know, putting on a little bit of food to keep them after the season. And so, you know, we really worked hard the last three weeks at imprinting and just a, um, you know, one of many things that we try to do to, to make the farm better, more well-rounded. Of course, I'll have to give a plug for the Arkansas rice industry and the U.S. rice industry, but the Mississippi Flyway, if it wasn't for the rice lands uh, here in the winter, you know, I think it takes several several billion dollars, I think. It was I think $8 billion. Dollars. To recreate the habitat that rice farmers are providing for the, you know, the migratory waterfowl. So it's a big story to tell for the rice industry and, that's kind of one of my hobbies is to promote agriculture too. So, yes, ma'am. And hey, thank you guys. You and Greg both sharing that because you shared some information. I really, honestly, I wouldn't even aware of. So, thank you for those conservation efforts, all that you do, and being stewards of the land and uh, getting that out there. We do appreciate that. Also, too. Now, here, here's what's interesting about you guys, your operation. My, my wife is a retired school teacher. And so she she owns like 450 beehives. So she's in the hunting business and that stuff. And we got some cows, a few cows together. And so she gets out and checks those. But our, our, our small operation is nothing compared to you guys. So now I know sometimes when we're working cattle, the joke is we all need family therapy, you know, after we get through uh, on that day. But you guys run a major row crop operation uh, together. And I know sometimes that, that can be challenging in that, but how do y'all work together and keep your marriage strong at the same time? What are some, maybe some pointers you can kind of share uh, with some folks? Well, I think because we started dating when I was still in college and he was, he was home, basically, we, we were apart a lot in the first, you know, year and a half of our dating life. And so we developed a pretty strong amount of trust. And I think that was really good for our marriage for long term. And we've continued to maintain that trust. And it's really important to both of us. And so I think that's been key to our successful marriage. How much do y'all share pretty well everything with each other as far as because you're in business together and that stuff. So I know we can talk more about this too, but even in your decision-making times, man, I guess what I'm asking is how do you, how do you keep the business side? Do you keep, try to keep it 
separate or well, you can't really keep it separate. How do you keep it from interfering with the marriage at times? How does that work in that in that in your operation? Yeah. Well, we, we farm at dinner and we farm during the day too sometimes, but you know, you just kind of have to draw the line, I guess. Um, I think one thing that's important to both of us is we do have hobbies that don't include each other. So, you know, we take time to spend time with other friends and time away. And I think that helps our time together, you know, be yeah. better. Well, and, and you know, the farm is, is notorious for tying you down. Once this crop starts, we joke about you, you never take your foot off the throttle. It's seven days a week. It's, you know, revolves around the weather and, and it's difficult. There are times, you know, general, so let's go someplace. Like I really can't, you know, and I, you go back and forth to the trust deal, the, the transparency. Yeah. There's really not, if you've got secrets uh, playing this game, it, it's going to be hard on one end or the other. It's either going to be hard on your business or hard on your marriage. That being said, are there times that I'm tired of talking about farming at the dinner table? Yeah, last night in particular, I'm like, all right, I've had a, we hadn't even gotten a field yet. You know, we're 14 hours of bombardment of farming and parts and tractors. And and when you involve your son, that I know we're talking about couples, but that's a dynamic that affects the, the couple. Um, and we're still learning to deal with how you know how do we how do we keep our marriage healthy and still integrate our son into the farm or I don't know. It, it's a complicated puzzle, but, but trust and transparency are, are, are paramount. Um, I think in, in that relationship, if you, uh, I can be her critic and she can be mine, but you can't, you can't criticize either one of us because <laughs> then we're both going to be on the same team against you. And, and so I don't know. It, it's, she doesn't have to worry where my loyalty lies, nor do I have to worry where hers lies yeah. or, or lays. I guess would be better to say. Wow, I think you guys have made a you made a great point, and I think it's one thing too for our, our listeners to understand. You guys have been married several several years. You have a large operation. Uh, I think everybody in the farming industry knows there are just times when hey, uh, we can't we've you know we've been in it in a day, and we don't want to talk about it anymore. But you know, one of the things too, Greg, you pointed out in transparency, he said, hey. We, we just work on it as we go. And sometimes people think, well, we get to a point of marriage and a business, we get it all figured out and we got it made perfectly. And it's really, it's always evolving. It's always moving forward. And, it, and there's always chapters in life, just like you said and talked about your son that was transitioning into the business and, and kind of how that works. Well, hey, it sounds like you guys, y'all, y'all have got a good team uh, together you know, and you seem to stick together. And so, you know, Jennifer, what would you say are some ways that the, the listeners who maybe don't have a support network like you guys do, what, what would you recommend? How would y'all recommend to kind of go in the farming operation? Well, one thing that I've had an opportunity to do is be a part of a, a peer group of uh, women who are kind of in the same situation I am in their family operations. And we're, we're spread out over several states, Ohio, Indiana, Mississippi, Kentucky, Missouri. So we're far enough away that our businesses are not competing again. You know, we're not in the same market, so to speak, but we're kind of doing the same things. We're working with our families. We're working with our husbands. And, um, and it, that peer group has been a huge um, point of support 
for me, you know, just to bounce ideas off of not only just business ideas, but, you know, heck, family things and, and you know, hard times that you're going through because farming, it ain't easy, right? <laughs> there are ups and downs um, for sure. And so it's been good to be able to talk with other people who are experiencing the same things that I am. Yeah. Hey, what would you say to Jennifer? I know your dad, you know, you said this is, or Greg said it's a 34, 35th crop maybe that he's put 50, in. 54. I'm sorry. Yeah. 54. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. 54. What, what's something maybe he's taught to you guys that, you know, that you picked up or learned from him uh, just about farming. Well, my dad is an eternal optimist. I mean, the glass is always half full, no matter what. And, and um, if he's down around here, boy, you better, you better pay attention because it's rare. And um, so he's taught us to be positive. Um, he's taught us to, you know, to treat each other with respect, not only each other and family members, but our employees too. I mean, we've got some, some folks that have been working with us for 20 and 30 years here on our farm and they are definitely part of the family farm. Most definitely. We can't do it without them wouldn't want to try to do it without him. And so my dad, one thing my dad always tells us is, you know, we work, people work with us. They don't work for us. And, and I think that's his attitude and his positivity has been really good for us as we've, you know, come into working on the farm. Yeah. Well, when you think that it's, you've hit rock bottom and it can't get any worse, it's always nice to bounce it off a guy that survived 1980 and 82 and the big droughts here and the hot weather and, He's always seen it worse. And there is that rare occasion that he goes, no, nah, I've never seen it this bad. And then you, you go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this really is this, this is as bad as I think it is. But he um, he's definitely optimistic. There's He's ready to build another 100,000 bushels worth of bins today. He just can't figure out how to get us to do it. You know, I mean, it's, he's expanding at 77. We need to be picking up more farms, uh, you know, Continuing improvement is always uh, on the agenda. Well, I'd say both of y'all are really blessed uh, that you have him in your life, uh, you know, and, and having that good attitude and being that optimist. He has, hey, hey, Jennifer, too, now you're a you're a farmer, so it wasn't long ago that women, you know, they rarely farmed or managed uh, agricultural operations. So has the industry always been welcoming to you as a female farmer? Well, I'll be honest with you. My parents, both my parents always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I was dumb enough to believe them, you know. So um, I've definitely experienced some, you know, what people would call discrimination. Um, but I think it made me stronger. And I was like, well, the heck with you. If you don't think I'm good enough to do it, I'll just show you I'm better, you know. So I always use bad experiences as a source of strength and a source of um, how to grow, be a better person, be a better farmer. Um, but that being said, I've also had some fantastic mentors in agriculture. Um, I think once people figured out I was serious about what I was doing and uh, that, you know, I'm kind of part of the good old boy system anymore at this point here and, I've been fortunate to have some some awesome leadership roles in the rice industry open up for me. And um, I just in the last couple of years was elected to 
and the Rossland Foods Board of Directors, the first woman to be elected to that board, which was a huge honor for me. Um, so anyway, it's it's been a bumpy ride at times, but for the most part, it's been a lot of fun and smooth sailing. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, thank you for leading out as far as a, a woman in agriculture and also just being a voice and helping those that uh, are listening. Again, we have several people listening to podcasts, and so helping uh, you know, others understand whether a young boy, young girl, hey, you put your mind to it, you can do whatever you want to do uh, in that. Greg, what would you say to the men? Okay, this kind of man question. What would you say to the men who think agriculture is still a man's world? Well, I think if you just look at by the numbers, it, it is. But to be quite honest, you know, women in this operation probably play as vital a role as any one man. And it's, you know, we spoke about being compartmentalized at times and, you know, we all have our areas and uh, I just don't see it. I mean, I've told Jennifer a hundred times, you know, if I found a a lady that, you know, had the credentials that wanted to work on the farm, I've got no problem. Um, They're probably, you really get down to it. They pay more attention to detail. Um, they don't have the ego that, you know, sometimes that, uh, that us guys can carry around. And there are several farms around here that have really, really good hands, not, you know, performing the same job Jennifer is, but they're every bit as good as any guy that you could hire. So, you know, I think the door's wide open and, and people like Jennifer and, and there are others, Mary Kay Harden, a, a farm, owner operator south of us and, and this whole area has been saturated with, with with powerful knowledgeable women in farming and so it probably comes a little easier for us but you any of these peer girls that are in her peer group i promise you if you think you know more about agriculture than they do when you get up from the table you're going to realize that you just met your equal and you know their, their operations are extremely different different locations uh, but it's it's pretty amazing, you know. And so we, I guess as men, we may still think that you know we're it's a, a macho industry. But there's so many roles that women are as good or, or better than men at. I just I don't know. I don't really see it as a as a, a man's world anymore. Yeah. Well, I would agree, Greg. And hey, thank you for sharing that too. And and Jennifer for having both you guys here and uh, just sharing your story and being. Uh, transparent about your farming operation and all that's taking place. I want to do just a quick recap for our listeners before we conclude, but I think you guys have pointed out, you know, respect and trust for one another is always a part of your marriage and your business operation is very essential. You, you make decisions together. You There are times you talk things out. There are times maybe you get around the dinner table and say, hey, we've worked hard today and let's talk about something else. You have spent some time away from the farm when you can. You have some different hobbies that uh, help you to stay sane uh, in that. So I would encourage the listeners, what we've learned from you guys today is always be transparent uh, with your spouse, find some friends who can support you both and kind of work through some of that and then always trust each other. You know, there may be some of you who are listening today that, you know, when trust is broken or conflict and it may seem to be constant that's going on in your life, I would encourage you if you're listening today, and that's where maybe you find yourself, is to go to agrihill.net. We have counselors and those who help in different areas in different states. You can see that information there. They can help you address some of the tough issues 
maybe that uh, you're going through uh, at this time. Look for AgriHealth Network on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We encourage you to follow us. Again, we've got great books and resources on our website. As always, please uh, subscribe to That Farm Life podcast. And you can always reach out to us at info at agrihealth.net with any questions or comments you have. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back, we'll be back next week. Until then, keep farming and uh, keep the faith. You've been listening to That Farm Life Podcast, planting hope, harvesting strength with your host, Archie Mason. That Farm Life Podcast is a creation of the Agri-Health Network in conjunction with Grounded Faith Ministries, where we offer opportunities to help you deal with the stress and strains of farm life through faith, family, and community with other farmers. You can learn more about who we are and what we do on our website at agrihealth.net. That's agrihealth, one word, dot net. Thanks for listening, and until next week, keep the faith.